0: Here's what I wanted to share with you guys as, as I've been traveling around the, the country, um, gosh, you know it's everybody wants to know about how to how to re, how to re, operate in the gifts and pray for people that are sick, etc. And, and so we've been doing it all over the country and just miraculous stuff all the time, especially recently, which is really cool. So I figured I better teach you guys a little bit too. And I've taught it, but I want you to really get it again. And so anyway, we just prayed simply. Will you share the story?
1: Uh, Yeah, my my mom and her husband live in Kemmerer, Wyoming. It's it's like way over there somewhere. And um, a couple weeks ago uh, she was scheduled to have surgery on her back. Um, She's 88 years old. And I was thinking, man, she's kind of old to have surgery, but she was going to have this back surgery. And I prayed with Mike at the end of the service. And He and I both projected love towards that situation. There was so much love coming from this man. I could just feel the heat. And then it started to come from me. And then mom had surgery uh, the following Monday. Uh, And then she went home Tuesday. Now they went into the middle of her back and it was an invasive surgery. And on Tuesday morning, she went back to Kemmer. This was in Jackson Hole. On Tuesday morning she went back to Kemmerer and she had lunch and took a nap. And it's like, are you? I was so amazed. But it was the love and just God healed her. And I was just, <laughs> and since then other things are happening, you know. The other night at fellowship, uh, Mike was talking about the lake of fire and I didn't get it, I didn't get that. I've bought into the lie of who Satan is, and it's really me making up that he's, that it's Satan that's doing it. It's really my ego, right? <laughs> and it was just so overwhelming. It's, it's hard to wrap my brain around it. I, I mean, all my life I've believed that, you know, I've blamed a lot of things on Satan. <laughs> so I just want you to know that fellowship is such a wonderful place to be. It's, it's more in-depth. And... Um, God and the Holy, Holy Spirit is definitely there. Thank you, Mike.
0: So you were, you were surprised just how she was cruising around. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right after surgery.
1: Yeah. She, today she went, today she vacuumed, and that was a week ago.
0: Yeah, hallelujah. Did she say anything or no? <laughs> she's
1: not supposed to. <laughs> but she doesn't care. No, no, she doesn't, she believes that, you know, she's very Catholic. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, um...
0: I was not catechism, so it's Mary okay. Mary
1: probably could have healed her.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. Thank you so well, it's exciting. It. it just works, right? Yeah, it does. That's what we said. I said, I guarantee you she knows something happened to her. Yeah. Because um, you could just feel it releasing to her.
1: And now I'm so excited. I'm so excited to share my heart. Um, I've, I've just projected my heart to other situations in my life. And God is just blessing those situations. And they're coming back to me. And I'm going, all I did was project love you know and it's it's it works <laughs> and you know it just works you don't have to you're right you don't have to do anything amen you just have to love amen thank you
0: awesome well we're going to teach you some of that is that okay tonight and so if you guys need prayer make sure you come up here afterwards though and we'll show you how simple it really is it's uh um because i think what we'll try to do is, is demystify it and i want to go through some scriptures with you that um like I said, is, uh, uh, Christ, the, the Christian life is, is supposed to be in union with him, in a love relationship with him, not something to learn, not get into the Bible more, to, to, uh, to glean knowledge. I think that's what a lot of people do with the Bible. They try, I gotta study the Bible, and you know what? That, that's okay, but you're not gonna experience life typically because you're trying to, you're, most people when I hear them say that, oh, I gotta get into the Bible more. You ever hear people say that? Or I need to come to church more, or I need to pray more well all of that's from a position of lack and you're supposed to start at no I'm finished I am NOT I am NOT right you're, you eat from the tree of I am the, the tree of life now you are because you're in Christ versus you have to do these things to become so we'll try and unravel some of those scriptures and really just show you what what it's about that uh, it's about a relationship with him it's about the divine union with him and so um, uh, I want you guys to operate in all the gifts, but the gifts are just gifts. What he's really after is a relationship with you, the love relationship, which Vicky talked about. And the love and the light of Christ heals everything. It heals everything, and that's what we're gonna release out of the, the the heart, the belly, the rivers of living water coming from the inside of you. So I love the gifts, but I've been around a lot of ministries where the emphasis is all gifts, and the people are not very happy because they don't know that they're completely and unconditionally loved and forgiven, so they're chasing the gifts. and so. I'm assuming that you know, if I'm in a marriage relationship and I give my wife a gift, that it's just to demonstrate my love to her, but what she really wants is my love. That make sense? And that's what God really wants. Is to, and so here's another part about the gifts I want to get across right now. It has nothing to do with your belief and unbelief in levels. Does that free you up? Because I think a lot of people, you know, I was reading Smith Wigglesworth and some of the old guys again, I go, gosh, no wonder nobody could ever really duplicate it because Smith would always talk about how pure he was. And he prayed and fasted, and, I, and I've read all these guys, the price of power. Hey, the price of power was we killed Jesus on the cross and he released it for free. The price has been paid. We, we can do nothing but release it. So it's not about your lack of belief or unbelief or because I think that hurts people. If they're not seeing a manifestation in their life, then they go, what am I doing wrong? And you're doing nothing wrong. There's, you're perfect in Christ, nothing lacking. It's just really allowing his love to flow through you ultimately. And that's where you have to just go, I'm perfect there's nothing I need to do or change, just enter into his rest. Does that make sense to you guys? And I'm going to try to teach you that. Spiritual things are tough, but really all I'm going to do through Scripture is just give you persuade you that it's already done, that you're one with him. Okay? Is that fair enough? All right, so uh, let's go to that first slide, releasing the divine ability. No, not this one. Sorry, I'm not going to do that one. I I was going to do that one for communion, and I realized none of you could read it. So... um, but it's—I'll talk about it later. It's really is a great thing of. Uh, uh, maybe I should talk about it real quick. Yeah, sorry, Tuan. I'm making her go back and forth between the cameras. I know you can't read this, but let me read this. This was from um, Francois Dutoit, his mirror reflection. Some of his Facebook posts and blogs. This is from his blog, and um, the Book of Revelation scare any of you guys? Yes. It's used to. It shouldn't, because it's the revelation of what. Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. Because all the apostles said the Antichrist is already here. It's denying Christ's work, thinking you have to do something. Anti the anointing. Does that make sense? So, hey, it wasn't enough that Jesus did everything, you need to do something. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And who did he tell was the Antichrist? The Pharisees. The Pharisees. So, who are the Antichrist today? The religious guys. The religious guy is teaching that you have to do stuff. What'd you say, Michael? Was it bad? I saw <laughs> Kath slap you. <laughs> I can't say that. So, uh, <laughs> oh, it's funny. So, all right. So here's what somebody asked him because here, and here's another thing about the Book of Revelation we didn't understand. If you read the first chapter, it says the Apocalypse or the Revelation of Jesus Christ. So the whole thing is about the unveiling is really what that word apocalypsis means, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, and this book is signified, is signified is what it says. So um, the only way to get the book of Revelation wrong is to take it literally. So it's all signs, does that make sense? It's metaphors, it's signs, it's, uh, you know, everybody's worried about the thousand years, the millennial reign and all this stuff, but here's what, the, it starts in Revelation, it says, you know what, this is all given to me, John, and, and uh, the things I write must shortly come to pass. So if I, if I told any of you, I'd go, uh, hey, I'm going to be done with this service shortly. What do you think? 2,000 years in counting? <laughs> no. Does that make sense? It was short. So anyway, so they were asking them. The book of Revelation is not necessarily prophesying the future. There were things like, if you go read as it gets closer to the book of Revelation, by the time you get to the, the later chapters with John and everybody, they go, okay, the time and the hour is now. Before, Jesus is going, the time and the hour, we don't know. But by the time you get to Revelation, they go, it's now, where all this stuff's going to happen. But even that, it's not about the future prophetic, like this is what's going to happen, and, and uh, it's about, it happened, but what's the meaning behind the happening that happened in Revelation? What did Jesus actually do? Jesus said, I came to do what? Give you life and life more abundantly and destroy the works of the devil. What's the works of the devil? Thinking that you're not in Christ and you have to do something. Follow me? If you get to the end of Revelation, you see that her gates are open forever. And who can come in? All. Anybody. So the tabernacle of David's been restored. Because the, tab- the tabernacle, the Jewish tabernacle, only the Jews could go in. And only the high priest could go in once a year. And uh, women couldn't go in there. You know, the Gentiles certainly couldn't get because we're dogs. But uh, the tabernacle of David, what's really interesting, if you go look at it, um, the tabernacle of David was open to Everybody. And there was no layers. It was just the Ark of the Covenant, and you went and worshipped in his presence. Gentiles, Jews, everybody could go in. So over here, there's sacrifice and animals and everything else. But said so David's a man after my own heart. Meaning, And David said this. He goes, you know what? If you wanted sacrifice, I would give it to you. But you really wanted a contrite heart, Lord. You wanted to know that it's me that killed Uriah and got myself in a mess with Bathsheba. It wasn't anything else. And you didn't require a sacrifice to, to hurt me for that sin. What you really wanted to know is, it was my fault, Lord. If I honestly loved like your love, I wouldn't have gone and done those things. Does that make sense to you guys? And that's really, it. So, that's what, so here's what he's saying. In the book of Revelation, it's more prophetic than what it is profound. Someone asked me about my understanding around the teachings and beliefs of 70 A.D. So some of you guys, and there's this argument now about full preterism, partial preterism, uh, dispensationalism. Oh, we're going to get raptured out. No, no, no. That's a that's a, and I believe that stuff because that's what I was taught. But this whole idea of rapture is a couple hundred years old. It's not. The church fathers would go, "What are you talking about? He's he, that's not what it's going to happen." So, and I'm just apologizing to people recently. They go, sorry, it's coming out of the Colorado Springs. All the left behind nonsense, and so. Um, Here's here's what uh, I was asked by some of the understand around eighty seventy. So Jesus comes in eighty thirty, and uh, between eighty thirty and eighty seventy, how many years are there? Forty. Forty was always the time period between the overlap of the old and the new covenants. There was always a a, a period when the lamb was slain until the final removal of all old covenant. It's fading, going away. Moses is fading away. John the Baptist says, I must become less because he needs to become more. It's all about that period. Does that, does that make sense? So Jesus was slain the same year and he said, listen, here, all this stuff's going to happen in this genea, this generation, which is 40 years. So we're not waiting for the, all this stuff to happen, guys. But that's not even the, I, I'm not talking about preterism or anything like that. What we really need to get to is the meaning behind it because it, it was all about signs and symbols. And so basically the old covenant was going away and the new covenant's established. And that's why Paul says, hey, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if, you're, if any man be in Christ, the new has come. It's come, we're not waiting for anything. All we're waiting for is our glorified body. Isn't that cool? So, so here's what he's saying. Much of the graphic and prophetic symbolism in the book of Revelation plays out at the tragic events of 70 AD. Some of you guys know that the, the Jewish temple was completely destroyed, right? there's never been a sacrifice ever again because this man after he sat down was one sacrifice which perfected you forever so the message of revelation is far more dramatic than it is futuristic or prophetic in significance it is indeed the unveiling of the extent of the triumph of the lamb of god in redeeming the innocence of the human race and securing their union in the romance of the ages sadly history will repeat itself in judgments of horror proportions until we fully realize the finished work of jesus and that it and, that, and what it was that the Lamb of God accomplished when instead of demanding a sacrifice, he gave himself as the scapegoat sacrifice and took away the sin or the distortedness of the world. He thus brought hostility and every excuse for separation to an end. Tragedy, crisis, wars are not acts of God. Judgment is not God's business. God's business is salvation hallelujah so what he's saying is because everybody you know everybody's talking about this Armageddon we're all gonna fight over Israel he goes we're probably gonna get that if we don't realize that it's all been finished and he's removed sin as far as the East is from the West and reconciled already but all of us Christians who are still professing hey this thing's gonna happen in the future guess what's happening we're doing all of our war strategies everything for what this battle over Israel right But Revelation says the new temple has come. You know who the new temple is? You. So the hostility with man's over is what he's trying to say. Does that make sense to you guys? So you don't have to be worried about anything. It was the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And that's where you see the the lake of fire like you were talking about, Victoria. Fire was the purification. It says anything that wasn't pure is purified in his presence. And he burns up the hay stubble and leaves silver, gold, and nothing. He's finished it. He actually did. He was the fulfillment of all that. So anyway, If you want to be scared and worry about it and stuff in your garage, then that's fine. But I would prefer you just live life because it wasn't about that. It was about the destruction completely of the old covenant where the new has come and life has come. And Jesus conquered it. Okay? All right. And the woes have already come. Who did the woes come on? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's what Jesus tells you. He goes, woe unto you, Pharisees and Sadducees, because you're not going to listen to me. You're goats. You keep hearing. You're not hearing. I keep telling you guys, but my sheep hear my voice. And guess what? My sheep, when they, when they heard what I taught in Matthew 25, left and were saved in Petra. But you guys who didn't believe me stayed in Jerusalem, and in AD 70, two-thirds of the Jews were killed right there and thrown into the hell, the Valley of Gehenna. Hell is what it says, where the worm and the, and the what does it say, the worm that never dies and the fire that never is burned out, right? And literally, Gehenna, which translated hell, was the place where they threw all the, the dead bodies and the maggots and the fire in the dumpsters burned their flesh completely. That's why Jesus said, listen, it's better to cut off your hand than get thrown into hell where all of your body's destroyed. You don't need to worry about that. So it's really good news. That's what I'm trying to get to you. So don't be listening to this left behind nonsense like you're scared, right? Because if you ever look, uh, even you take Noah, who was left behind? The good guys. So we were taught the opposite, right? Oh, crap. I was left behind. I thought I was saved and I wasn't. You want to be left behind. They, they got the whole thing wrong, but anyway. Frustrates me now, the way I understand. Like, I can't believe these guys who have doctorates taught me this nonsense, because it's nonsense. So anyway, it's good news. There's no bad news in the good news, right? All right, let's go. Let's keep going. So, all right, so here's what I want to teach. Hey, who's the temple? I just told you already. You are. So rivers of living water flow out. So let's read this. John 7, 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, at um, least you answered this before. What's, the, what's this feast? Tabernacles. tabernacles. What does tabernacles mean? It means I'm dwelling with Christ. It doesn't mean you have to put a tent on your thing and go sit in there for 10 days with your family. So uh, if you want to do it, go for it, but <laughs> my bed's more comfortable. So in la- that last day, that great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, if you read in John 7, verse 2, I think it says, this, the Feast of Tabernacles was going on. So Jesus stood and cried and said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me in the scripture has said out of his belly or the most internal parts, your heart, shall flow rivers of what kind of water? Stuff that causes life versus death. The good covenant, the new covenant versus the old covenant which causes death. Rivers of living water. But he spake of the spirit. So he's talking about the rivers of living water. He speaks of what? It's really clear, but he spoke of the spirit which they believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given at this time when he's talking about it because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Does that make sense? Now, um, if, if some of you guys want to study this out a little bit this is kind of cool I'll just read you this is what the Feast of Tabernacles was all about Jesus was the fulfillment of the feasts right? the feasts were dress rehearsals literally what it says so they could recognize him when they came but did they recognize him when they came? well I thought they knew the Bible that's why you can read the Bible with a veil if, it, if you still think it's, I, there's something to do you'll typically miss it versus what's the meaning behind it does that make sense? And so all these people that are trying to do revelation are scaring people. And we're the ones who, who don't realize all anger has been pushed out already that have the ability to cause the next war around Israel. It's because we think we're, we're right, and they think they're right. And they don't realize that Jesus was right. And it's done. All hostility is done. We're in perfect union. So anyway, let me read this. That's kind of cool about... Uh, This will give you some context about the Feast of Tabernacles. So, the Feast of Tabernacles, he's living with us. Is he living with you now? So, it's not something we have to look forward to. It's right now. So, the water-pouring ceremony, because this is what he's talking about. I'll read this, and this will make sense to you. The water-pouring ceremony at the Feast of Tabernacles was the only water poured out on God's, God's altar. The water was literally called Yeshua, the waters of salvation. How cool is that? Jesus proclaimed, "If any of you have drinks of me in God's temple, which demonstrate that he was and still is these waters of salvation." This was the very place where Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts two, and it's also the place where the rabbis used to teach the coming Messiah. So, when the temple of when the temple of God stood in Jerusalem, the water pouring ceremony was performed every day of the feast of Tabernacles. The priest and the Most High God were divided into three divisions, three separate divisions of priests, and they did their special deals. Um, one for the altar meaning they would take care of the the sacrifice on the altar one for the willows which I'll talk to you the the branches and one for the waters where they would go to the pool of Siloam and pour water over the altar and rivers of water would flow out from under the temple literally so um, the first division was the priests on the duty for the festival they would slay the sacrifice found in Numbers 29 prior to the first group's ascension of the altar a second group of priests went out the eastern gate of the temple and went to the matzah valley you guys know what Matza is right the matzah bread so where the ashes of the red heifer were dumped at the beginning of the Sabbath, there they would cut willows the willows had to be 25 feet in length after this they would form a line with the priest holding the willow which about 25 or 30 feet behind this row of priests allowing for the room for the willows would be another row of priests with willows so there would be a row after row of the willows the whole road back to the temple was lined with pilgrims as they went to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival as they were commanded to do Sukkot, Did I pronounce that right? Succot? Succot? Tabernacles. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Pentecost and Passover were known as the pilgrimage feasts in Deuteronomy 16. This is kind of cool. There would be a signal and the priest would step out with their left foot, then their right foot in a cadence, swinging the willows back and forth. Can you imagine these 25-foot branches swinging them back and forth? What's that? If you have a big branch with, with uh, willows, what's is it going to make a noise? What's what's the noise going to make? Listen to what it's called. It was called ruak. That's the breath or the spirit. See all the symbolism in there. So, um, where was I? Yeah, okay. So the willows would be waved back and forth. Meanwhile, a third group of priests headed by the high priest went out the gate known as the water gate. They went to the pool known as Siloam, which means gently flowing waters. So they would take pictures from the gently flowing waters. Then they'd be cruising back with the 25, 30-foot willows making this whoosh, whoosh, whoosh sound. So here's what it says Uh, There, the high priest had a golden vase and drew the water known as the living water and held it in the vase his assistant held a silver vase containing wine just as the priests in the valley of matzah began to march toward Jerusalem the willows made this swishing sound as the wind they approached the city the word wind and spirit in Hebrew are both ruach so when the Holy Spirit came what did they hear wind everybody's still trying to do it in their Bible studies now waiting for the wind it came it came at Pentecost that's what it was about. Does that make sense? So, therefore, this ceremony was symbolic or representative of the Holy Spirit or God coming upon the city of Jerusalem. So, <clears throat> as mentioned earlier, the water drawing ceremony took on a new dimension of meeting when Yeshua attended the Feast of Tabernacles. On the seventh day of the feast, Hoshana Rabbah, which literally means the great Hosanna or the great salvation, the festival activities were different from those of each of the six previous days when the priests circled the altar. On the seventh day of the feast, this is when Jesus stood up. On the seventh day of the feast, the people circled the altar seven times, and this is why the the day is called Hoshana Rabbah, as the priest guides save us now seven times. So they're praying seven. They're pouring water and wine on the on the altar, and it's flowing beneath the water beneath the altar out of the the, uh, the temple. They're walking around the temple with these branches, making the sound of the Holy Spirit, right? And then for seven times, they go, save us now, Lord, save us now. And that great day of the feast, Jesus stands up and goes, I'm right here. Is that cool? So that's cool to me. So anyway, what I really want to show you is he's the fulfillment of all these things. So it's it's over, and so the Holy Spirit was not yet given, but how many of you guys know the Holy Spirit was given? The Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost. That's what he was telling them. Fair enough? All right, let's go to the next slide. So Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power... And I like it, if you, go watch, uh, if you go watch Christian television, they'll go dunamis, as if you need to go work up this power. I think it intimidates most people. It's nothing you have to work up, it's something he works up, okay? So, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, there's nothing you have to do. There's no price you have to pay, there's no belief or unbelief you have to do. In fact, if, if something's not working and tells you it's because you have unbelief, what does that do for your belief? makes it go down doesn't it at least for me going oh I'm doing everything I know how to do and you're telling me I don't have enough yet (laughs) anybody relate to that I used to read uh, you know Smith Wigglesworth and all these guys forever reading like what am I doing wrong then I realized like because you're trying to do it you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you when did the Holy Spirit come upon us at Pentecost it says you shall receive it's no questions asked this is a done deal guys you have his divine ability end of story Okay? So, you shall receive his dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Okay? So, powers, strongs, that word power, dunamis, it's a physical power. Physical means it's, it's spiritual, but it's going to do something to you physically. Physical things. Follow me? We call them miracles, but it's a force, it's a might, it's ability, efficacy, energy. That's what Vicki was talking about when you release his love and light, which is really him. What are you doing? You're releasing that energy, which is the power of God unto Sozo. It moves things. It moves physical things, guys. So powerful deeds, deeds showing physical power, marvelous works. And I like Helps Word Studies. That's why I put this in there. The same uh, dunamus, the able or having the divine ability. You shall receive his divine ability when the Spirit has come upon you. There's nothing for you to do. It's the gifts. It's a gift. Either it's by works or it's by grace. Which one is it? It's great, so don't let any pastor, teacher tell you it's about your levels. It's free. In fact, them teaching levels forces you to miss it because you think I don't have enough level. Or am I the only one that ever thought that? Man, I don't know if I can ever do this stuff. That guy, he, he might, because man, he doesn't even say farm words. And I do every now and then, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody did at your farm, right, Sulin? Never? No, I don't. <laughs> and you know what? They're just as wholly sanctified, aren't they? Yeah, so it's funny. So, but you better not mow your lawn on Sunday. That's a, gate, that's a deal breaker right there. So that, that one. Anyway, uh, properly ability to perform for the belief, power to achieve by applying the Lord's inherent abilities, power through God's ability. You shall receive power through whose ability? God's ability, it's not you. So I'm going to just teach you today how to release it, how simple it is, that you already have it, and all of you can do this. Isn't that good news? Yeah. So, but know that the gifts, guys, are just gifts. That's not what you're after. So here's the thing. If you, if you can realize that you're radically forgiven and unconditionally, what's, what's unconditionally? No conditions, right? Yeah, but Lord, I sinned today. Unconditional. No conditions. Does that make sense because almost everything i hear of every ministry is like well you got to clean your act up he cleaned it up he moved it as far as the east is from the west now us thinking we have to clean it up causes the bad behavior but he's he's not trying to correct your behavior he's trying to realize what you already have a divine union and a perfect love relationship with him and so love is the his divine ability so if you can just learn to let it release his divine ability everything it releases his divine ability and most of the time, you'll go, I can't believe that just happened. But I can tell, I can feel it now when, it, when I can, like, oh, okay, God, oh, I get it now. I was telling her, I go, man, just recently, I'm like, I'm starting to really just grasp this, to be honest with you, because I had to unravel all the religious teaching I had and all the stuff, that the price of power and all this stuff. No, I received it when I received the Holy Spirit. And so when Joel prophesied at Pentecost, what does he say? This is what happened, right? And what happened? Here's what happened, guys. He poured out his spirit on all flesh. Are you a part of all flesh? Yes. Every one of you. Okay? He poured it out. He immersed you in the Holy Spirit. You, you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not when you went to a charismatic meeting, and you did it. He did it. He immersed you in it. He poured it out on all flesh. Isn't that cool? So, I th- how I was taught is it like, it's only till you babble. no, no. That's a gift. That's a gift. It's, it's, uh, it's not whether I, that's not evidence that I received. The evidence was the wind, everything came and he poured it out on all flesh. Scripture said it already happened to you. He poured it out on all flesh and here's what happens. He goes, I poured it out on all flesh from the least to the greatest. Everybody, even my handmaidens. Why do you say handmaidens? Because they weren't included in most, ladies weren't included in most of the stuff in the Jewish culture, right? And the more religious you are, what do they do? They beat up ladies still today, right? Real religious Christianity, sex, real religious Muslim sex, what do they all do? Ladies, they make you sew your own clothes and wear white shoes and put your hair in a bun. So, is this still happening today, right? That's what I thought becoming a Christian was. Like, God, I'll never do that, man. My wife's good looking. I don't want to wear these funny stuff. So, you want to wear the funny stuff? That's okay, but you're just as holy whether you don't. Does that make sense? So, you shall receive. You guys got it? And he did it at Pentecost. He poured it out. Follow me? And so here's how you know it's not anything you do or not. You know Peter and John. Is it Peter and John who were at the beautiful gate? Peter and John, Peter and John at the beautiful gate when the, the man was sitting there, and they said, "Hey, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have. I give to you now. Rise up and walk." Right? Were they? Were they? Uh, uh, there's no. There's no evidence of them praying and fasting. There's no evidence of them tongue talking for hours to receive the power. They're just cruising to the temple and they see this guy and they go, "Hey, you know what?" Um, I, I, I we have a divine ability I'm just gonna release it and then afterwards when they're walking around Peter says this he goes why are you looking at us as if it's our power that did any of this yet ministries today are going look at me it was my ability that did this because I prayed and fasted and was a good boy get rid of all that nonsense he, you have the divine ability right now is, is that my point emphasized enough you have it because it's his ability that you can release okay so all right next slide All right, so John 14, 11. So here, here he's, he's uh, gosh, I'm, I've, who is he talking to? Is he talking to Philip here? Stephen? Who is he talking to? All, well, his disciples, and they're based, here's what the disciple in context, the disciples are going, hey, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus says this. He says, listen, um, have, haven't I been with you long enough where if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, meaning that two are one, that I'm in him and he, in, he and I. Now, how many of you guys know that's what they, they killed Jesus for? Because he said if he's a son, then what does that make him? One with the father, in the family of the father, right? Does that make sense? And so Jesus gets after him in Gen 10.34. He says, your own, your own law in Psalm 82.6 says, ye are Elohims. What's Elohim? You are gods because you're a son of a god, so you're a god. You're not the god, but ye are gods. So Jesus tells him, why are you killing me? For all I'm saying is I'm a son when your own scriptures say ye are Elohims, gods. And this, this is the clincher when I, first, when I finally read it. And it says this, it says, and scripture cannot be broken. Those are Jesus' words. I about fell out of my chair when I finally saw that going, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, we have everything already. Because Jesus says, and scripture cannot be broken. Ye are Elohims. You're sons of a god, so what does that make you? Little G's, you have dominion. And I'm, not, I'm trying to get you out of this dominion and praying in tongues loud and all that stuff because I've seen that hurt more people than, than help them. I'm trying to get you to know that this is simple, it's a gift, it's free, and you have it. Does that, does that help you guys? So you can yell at your kids going through the drive-thru and you still have it tonight. <laughs> I bet that never happens in your car either with six boys, huh, Suleen? Happens in my car with three kids. <laughs> I can't imagine six. So anyway, that's why, actually when Bear went with you guys, he said, Mr. Amico makes it easy. He just orders everybody the same thing. So the kids don't argue over the stuff. That's really wisdom, actually. So, uh, all right. So, all right, so here, so you get the context. So here's what he's saying. So this was hard for them, guys, to say that I'm one with the Father, I'm a son, because that's what they killed Jesus for. Because they they had this idea that God's over here angry, And we can't even write his name, Yahweh, right? Because he's too holy, and he's so holy he can't look at sin. Isn't that what most of you are taught? And so Jesus just comes in and throws the whole thing out. Like, I'm going to touch sin. I'm going to go touch the lepers. I'm going to go eat with the sinners. I'm going to do everything. I'm the exact opposite of what you're teaching, Pharisees. In fact, I'm going to call you the sons of the devil. Woo! Anyway, imagine that? Tell these pastors today, like, you're a son of the devil. That's the Antichrist, though, is when they're saying, you need to do all these things, which is, unfortunately, most ministries I hear, I go, you're denying Christ, that Christ was enough. That's the Antichrist. It's not something to come, okay? So, mostly, uh, so here's what he's saying. Hey, listen, if you don't believe that I'm one with the Father, then at least believe what? The evidence, the works. I'm going to show you that I can, I can, uh, I can forgive sin, Because they're going, who are you that you can forgive sin? It's us, us priests, that we have to sacrifice. We are the ones who get to forgive you. Right? You guys get it? And so Jesus comes along and goes, no, 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 I'm forgiving them. I'm salvation, I'm life, I'm liberty, I'm freedom, I'm restoration, I'm all the good things. I'm it. Whoa, this guy's taking away our offerings. So, got to stop that. All right. So here's what he's saying. If you don't believe that the Father and I are one, believe what I do. And so, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, do you believe in him? We'll talk about what that actually means. So, the works that I do will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go into my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Who's going to do it? He's going to do it. So this isn't about your level. He's going to do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son to prove to you that the Son reunited you into the family as one. Doesn't that glorify him? That I'm going to make lots of little. Jesus was the firstborn of, of all creation is what it says, so... In my name, that I will do. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, he's going to do it. Is that cool? That's the When you receive the Spirit, you have the divine ability. The holiest of holies is where? In you, in the temple. So you, see, you all saw those temple ceremonies where the, the, the waters were flowing out of the temple. What he's showing you is it's going to flow out of you. That's why I said rivers of living water are going to flow out of you. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? So, and you don't even have to pray in tongues once to do it. Hallelujah, that's even better, right? Because what if you didn't pray, what if you woke up late and all of a sudden you needed to do something, you didn't pray in tongues? Wait a minute, give me two hours, let me go pray in tongues. That's not how it works. You have it, you just release it, okay? So if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I love the mirror translation, says this, John 14, 14. If you ask anything in knowing what my name entitles you to, that I will perform. So let's go to the next slide. That's what I wanted to get at. So. Um, his name, his name is what? Christ Jesus, Jesus. And this is what I'm trying to get across because a lot of of times people, you've been taught that you have to yell, yell Jesus with fervency at the end of your prayer, right? Most of the people doing that don't even know what Jesus means. What Christ Jesus. So Christ Jesus, Christ, anybody know what Christ means? The anointing, the anointing. The Anointed One. Guess what, Micah? You're in the Anointed One. The new creation has come. Heaven and earth meet in you. You're the new temple. So if you the Jew, if you ask a Jew today, what's, what's the heaven and earth? And they'll go, the temple system, where, where the spiritual meets physical. Heaven and earth. If you go look at drawings of the temple, you'll see all pictures of the earth and everything else. And it's all pointing to what? Him tabernacling with you. Is he tabernacling with you? Yes, when Jesus was born, he goes, Emmanuel, what's Emmanuel? God with you. So are we still waiting for that feast to be done? No, we haven't right now. Isn't that cool? Yes. The new temple has come. That's what it says. The new creation has come. If anybody else is in Christ, you are the new creation. We're still waiting for it to come and plant herbs in your basement, because No, that's gonna cause it. <laughs> we gotta stop that. We gotta go, no, you're forgiven. He loves you perfectly. We don't need to go fight over Israel because we're all one right? That's what, that's what I believe when I really understand scripture now. It's finished. It truly is finished. So anyway, so the new creation has come. You're the temple, Micah. You are in the anointed one. So you're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. So do you have the anointed one? Yes. yes. Do you have a junior spirit anointing? Yes. No. <laughs> I set you up. That's a sales trip. I just get you saying yes a lot, right? No, you don't have a junior spirit anointing. You have the full anointing. Because people, you guys, know what I'm saying. Because Latherbury is taught, well, well, you know, he's he's really anointed. No, he's just he just probably is understands this a little bit more than you. But you all have the super anointing. You are in him. His name. So anything that qualifies for the anointing, he will do it. Why? Because it's in you, and you're a joint heir. You guys getting this? Okay. So his name is Christ Jesus. You guys know that they didn't cruise around going Jesus when Jesus was walking the earth. Because his name wasn't in English. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> 95% of Christians, I really believe that statistic that high, did not have a clue what that means. I believe in Jesus. No, you don't. I can tell by your prayer life, what, the stuff you're begging for and answering. And, and uh, you're still, no, you don't. I get what they're saying. I'm not trying to be critical of them. I'm like, mm, but they've been taught so incorrectly that in the name of Jesus... And uh, it's not that, guys. It, meaning, it means he is the name above all names. So, um, uh, Michael, what's your last name? Surface like surface of the earth. Surface like surface of the earth. You know who you're really born of. You're in his family. That's your surname. I get it here. Where I'm Popovich, right? But my real surname is Christ Jesus. I'm in that family. That's what he said, in my name. If you go look it up, it means surnamed, your surname, meaning that which family are you born in? So when you know that you're a child of God, a son unconditionally loved, you're a son, he's in you and you're in me, right? That's a reality for you guys today. Anything that his name now, because you're in that family, the kingdom of God, anything that that family has, you can ask for it and he will do it. Is that cool or what? Does that help you guys so all right so here he poured out his spirit on all flesh you can get to your feet I want I want I don't want to keep you going long but I'm trying to show you and then I'll show you how simple it is if anybody's need prayer after this I'll help you with this because it's really 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 simple so like Victoria said so he has poured out his spirit on all flesh you all got that so once he poured out his spirit on all flesh what happened to you you received divine ability that's what it said right when he pours out his spirit, you shall receive power, his divine ability to perform. You've received it 2,000 years ago. So you've all have his divine ability, and it's going to be rivers of living water flowing out of the temple. Who is the temple? You. So it's going to flow out of you. Does that make sense? So he can simp- you can simply release the rivers of living water, and he will perform anything his name, Christ Jesus, the anointing, and salvation. So salvation, what does that cover you for? Anything that you thought you lost in the first Adam, which was really a lie, because they were never separated from God, but they believed it. So, as a man thinketh in his heart, what happens? So are you, that you think you're missing something. So, that's still the deceit today. Hey, you don't have this because you're not praying in tongues enough. No, that's Antichrist. You have it. You guys get it? Yeah, but I'm a mess. That's a lie. You're perfect in his eyes. Don't believe that, right? you guys getting this so your your behavior does not disqualify you from his name did the prodigal son when he returned go man i blew my life out in vegas right isn't that kind of what we think that he lived this riotous living whatever he doesn't qualify anymore that's what he believed but how did the father respond no no, no. put the ring on put the slippers on the slippers are significant so guys because the slaves worked for their meal. He goes, no, no, you are in the house. You don't, do, you don't do work. The high holy days, the holy days, you don't do laborious work, right? So it doesn't mean we don't work hard. What that means is you don't work to be a son. You inherit as a son. So put the slippers on, put your ring back on, put the royal robe of righteousness back on, and come feast with me in the house. You guys get it? So you, you're that person. You're royal. You're a royal priesthood right now. So don't believe any other lie so okay so this is how we do it guys so uh, um, the best way I can describe this is is uh, so the rivers of living water which is the spirit is what it says right so his spirit um, he, he calls himself a couple things he calls himself love he calls himself light and he calls himself a consuming fire the devil doesn't have the fire. So the fire in Revelation is his purifying power, not the devil's. That makes sense? He's the lake of fire and the brimstone, which is God's presence. So he's love, he's light, and he's purifying fire. So purifying fire does what? Burns up all the chaff, it burns up all our efforts and everything else and we receive freely. So it burns up all wrong thinking, it burns up disease, it burns up all stuff really in our heart. Because our heart is where everything happens. So it burns up all the wrong beliefs, et cetera. So the best way to pray, guys, is you, know, you, can, you can identify. If you're praying for the sick, for instance, you can go, hey, you know, what's... And don't get all hung up. I, gosh, some of these things I watch online is like, well, you got to know this. and you get, It's like all these tricks of the trade. Like, geez, man. Just, can't we just release the rivers of living water? It's like, well, you better know this to know if it's from iniquity or if it's from this. And they're like, it's all gone. It's all a wrong belief system in their heart that we just release His unconditional love and light, which changes everything into life. Does that make sense to you guys? So the best way to do it, honestly, is typically what I do is I just, I try to calm myself down and try to get out of here because I think most of the time when we're, when we're praying, oh, Lord, do this, we're all here, aren't we? We're trying to think about things and... and uh, and he'll, tell, he'll, he'll just release if there's something in there you need to know. You don't, you don't need to go put pressure on yourself. Well, do I know this? Is a, well, did something traumatic happen at this time in your life? Ugh. Don't complicate this thing. As I just try, really, I try picture or imagine or feel, actually, as I just relax a little bit. And it's like if I was praying for you, Micah, typically I'll just lay my hands on them or hold them. And I would just try picture and feel his love and warmth and light transferred to that person. And I'm telling you, if you do it, not only can you feel it, they can feel it. And the more you just practice that, just releasing it, just you're imagining his love and his light flowing to that person. That's the release of their living water. Is that simple? And it really is that powerful, guys. And so I would just challenge you guys, You know, if you don't want to do it here, um, just do it. See, so here's the thing. You're the temple. You're the temple. So guess what? You can release those rivers of living water in yourself. Does that make sense? And what is it? His unconditional love, his light, his warmth. That's why you read the, science gets it, guys. That's why you read the healing code and the love code and then Christianity buggers it all up. and uh, Buggers. I just watched Darkest Hour come back from Nashville and he goes, don't bugger it up. So I thought that was funny. Where when he was, became prime minister, too, do don't bugger it up. So <laughs> don't screw up is basically what he was saying. So does that help you guys? It really is that simple. And that's what that, the healing code, the love codes talk about. They go, they, you see your challenge, whatever it is, and you see his love and his brilliant light just overwhelm it. And guys, it starts to change your heart. And all of a sudden you can feel the rivers of living water flow. Does that make sense to you guys? All right, does that help? But that's how simple it is. You all have his gifts. You all have his ability. There's nothing you need to work up. You shall receive divine ability when the spirit had came upon you. And he poured out his spirit on all flesh from the least to the greatest, and you're included in there somewhere, right? Hallelujah. So Father, we love you, we praise you, and magnify you. Oh, just let them get this, that they're the temple. The rivers of living water flow out of them in their most holy of holies. So Father, let them see that they're perfectly loved. Just let that unconditional love and light flow through every part of their body. Just let them experience your love, your light, your warmth flow through every part of their body. Father, thank you that anything that's not of you, that your love just burns up all the chaff. Anything that's not of you just burns it up with your unquenchable love for these people. We just thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen. Some of you guys want to do it. If you want to come up and pray, We'll we'll show you and demonstrate it just how cool and simple it really is, and it'll it'll help you. Okay, so hope that helps, guys. God bless.